Welcome to episode number 243, Wrestling Entertainment. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. Brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. Visit bl3ssed.com to get blessed. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. Alright, you are now tuned in to the Rotated Views Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I am here with Goose, Gabe, and Thomas. Wrestling Entertainment. In this episode, we have special guest, Thomas Stintzman. We cover topics that range from wrestling history, fitness, wrestling league slash levels, the entertainment business, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. Guys, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to download and subscribe and drop a new episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure. Kicking things off. Thomas, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate it. For sure. Thanks for having me. All right. So, um... I know you're like a jack of all trades, but for those of us who do not know who you are and what you do, let us know. Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know how to answer that sometimes. <laughs> I am a, uh, a lifelong ex- aspiring professional wrestler nice. trapped in a, a salesman's body <laughs> yeah. uh, with a love of baseball. Um, nice. Most importantly, uh, once upon a time, a professional wrestler, maybe retired. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. All right, so let's let's uh, kind of drill down on that, right? So, how how did it all start for you? Were you as a kid just watching, getting entertained, WWE, WWF, what or NCW? What was the the leagues that you're watching? What eras? Is eighties, nineties? My oldest memories are strictly professional wrestling. I yeah. remember nothing else other yeah. than like channel surfing, like Saturday morning, Hulk Hogan. Yes. Early nineties, maybe even late eighties. I it. It all blends into one when, yeah. like, around that time period where everyone was um, a character of some type, but yeah. like bright colors, long hair, tans. Yeah. Um, so right around like early nineties, well, your earliest memory. So four, five, six years old. Yeah. That's all I remember is just everyone was jacked, everyone was tanned, <laughs> uh, cool things going down. Don't do that on your sister. Um, <laughs> the normal stuff. I mean, typical. <laughs> so, so explain to us like. It began as, you know, this fun entertainment thing that Mm -hmm. exploded to a true billion-dollar business. Kind of walk through that from when we had to go through X, Y, and Z. I think it was 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings. I feel like that time is, like, ticking in the back of my mind. Um, To now you have it being aired on multiple days, multiple, you know, uh, channels, you have multiple leagues, regardless of what uh, level of profession they are. Um, How do you think, what what made it so attractive? Uh, I think it all boils down to just Vince McMahon being a crazy genius and being greedy. Yeah. Um, I think we can all relate to that in some aspect. We all want to succeed, but his, his vision and glass ceiling just, it didn't stop as like, all right, hey, we can do... Wow, we can sell this show out every Saturday. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, we can sell this out every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then if you listen to the stories of the old school guys that were on the road back in the day, this I think it's been like, oh, brother, we were on the road 344 days out of the year, <laughs> yeah. which I think isn't true. But yeah. um, in reality, they were doing like 37 to like 50 days straight. Wow. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, twice on Sunday, which wow. is crazy. 
you know, I'm not sure how much of that is embellished at this point, but yeah. uh, it went from that to being a legitimate business to like, let's go public in 1998, which is, you know, now we're looking at a, a billion dollar company where <laughs> the stock is as a stockholder, yeah. um, a little low right now, but you know, they're still generating billions of dollars in TV revenue. And like you said, with the stuff going from syndicated TV, where they were paying to be on syndicated television throughout the country to, oh, we just signed a billion dollar TV deal with Fox. Oh, yeah. not to mention our other billion dollar TV deals for the Monday night show. Oh, we have our own network, yeah, but we're gonna sell that to the Peacock network for another billion dollars. So, I mean, the money's real. It's, I think it's just the ultimate American dream. You can turn the most, literally a circus. Wrestling is nothing more than an extended version of the circus into yeah. billions and billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. And so for like the little boys out there watching and, and aspiring to be, what was it though? Like these guys, it was because I think these guys were so jacked out of their minds. I mean, my ultimate no pun intended mm. uh memory was always ultimate warrior he was he had the energy he had the hair he had uh like you said he had the tan he had everything going he would run out he would get into the ring and shake those ropes and it was like dude you just got hyped um and it was that entertainment that was like you, you can't even point at what it is mm. it's all of it i loved all of it it's a combination of everything <laughs> And we could just focus on the ultimate war. This dude jacked to the gills. Yes. Probably could have won any bodybuilding show that he went to. Yeah. So he was a, a bodybuilder. Very limited what he could do in the ring. But yeah. um, I think it comes with a combination of what he brought to the table plus what was given to him from you know Vince McMahon, WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it yeah. at the time. Um, they kind of put their spin on it because there's there's videos of him in like the late 80s as just like the warrior the dingo warrior his face paint kind of sucked yeah he had a weird mustache like things <laughs> didn't kind of jive and then once he got there it was just like well there's only one word it's the ultimate word that was yeah. vince mcmahon's name that he came up with mm. so that combined with the music which is just as iconic as anything else because yes. it kind of went towards the character that he portrayed as soon as that music hit you know yeah he was coming out the gate thousand miles an hour yeah. tassels were lime green <laughs> yellow orange yeah. and he would shake those ropes <laughs> like i don't know it was crazy and then he would go crazy for and he was good for a good two three minutes of course um and then you know it is what it is but that who didn't want to be the ultimate warrior yeah blonde hair jacked yeah great colored everything outside of the fireworks outside of the ultimate uh uh warrior uh name he had the ultimate uh 90s haircut oh super mullet. like the super mullet blonde tips <laughs> <laughs> all business it was the best so so what do you think makes the these the standouts right because you have guys who become pros and we're watching them like that's awesome, but then you have like the superstars. Yeah. What makes the their, their character, in your in your opinion, anyway, stand out? Or what makes one of those every? I guess every decade we have like a handful of them. I don't sure. know how however long it is, but it's usually a couple. Just the one, two, three. Yeah. There's those those main guys. Um, it's just right place, right time, combined with the era that they're at. Like, yeah. Hogan came in mid to late 80s at a time where we were all super impressionable and like television was still new. Yeah. Um, so, like, the man at the time, six foot seven, maybe six foot eight. <laughs> Side note, I didn't know Hulk Hogan was a white male until I was about like 11. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. As someone who's interracial, my dad's white <laughs> and my mom's black. I thought Hulk, me and Hulk Hogan were the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> no yeah. one told me, like, oh, he just lives on the beach in Florida and never goes inside. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, tall, jacked. 
Yeah. Yellow. I don't know what it was about the yellow, but it stood out. Yeah. Um, tan. So tan. Yeah. I don't know what it is about being tan that just makes you a superstar. Yeah. And he just, he looked like he could destroy any dude that came through the door, which yeah. uh, he was, in in hindsight, he's probably one of the only good guys I actually cheered for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just marvelous. He was marvelous. And then he kind of, you know, as he became less and less popular, the warrior came, the ultimate warrior, and he mm-hmm. was just a different version of Hogan, but we kind of went back to Hogan and then going forward, it was just um, like that attitude era with like the rock and Stone Cold yep. Steve mm-hmm. Austin and the yeah. ability to chat it up. And I think Stone Cold hit the nail on the head. Every person kind of wants to beat up their boss. Yeah. Except for Miguel, he's his own boss. <laughs> um, so you, you know how it is. And I just remember as a, as a kid and watching Austin do his thing, I thought Austin was the coolest, but like being in the same room, with my old man, like my dad loved Steve Austin. Yeah. And I didn't understand until hindsight, like, I'm sure my dad wanted to go to work and hit his boss with a steel chair. Like, yeah. it makes sense now, like, as an adult. Yeah. So it just, right place, right time, hits the thing. And then even John Cena, uh, which wasn't my cup of tea because I was a little older at the time and yeah. wrestling was yeah. more on a downside. Mm. But there was younger, newer, impressionable kids. So yeah. there's kids that don't know the, the rock outside of the Fast and Furious. And yeah. they don't know how Hulk Hogan was, but, like, Hogan, Cena's their Hogan, and Hogan's yeah. my Cena, and yeah. vice versa. So yeah. being young and impressionable, and he was a little more hip. He could do the freestyle stuff at the time, like the thugonomics, <laughs> and like then he evolved to make things more his own. And you know, everyone hates on Cena, but he's the man. He has his own his yeah. own combination yeah. of things. Yeah. Uh, what was I? I remember um, uh, Ted DiBiase, these guys, Ric Flair's the. Um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan Rowdy Rowdy Piper Rowdy Rowdy Piper <laughs> Piper's pit. That was like when I Because I have older brothers And that was she, when we were watching I'm like yeah. oh my gosh Who's watching this Since I was like Three four years old um, And my grandfather Watching lo- In love with uh, oh, Andre man. the Giant Yeah <laughs> Um yeah. Kind of odd, but that it's weird that you just said that too Because Ric Flair For some In my opinion Ric Flair really never Lost his touch Outside of just being older um, he's still even now. If you hear him talk, he's still in tune oh, with what catches hip. the attention. Yeah, he just Smart. got it. Smart. Just a yeah, star. It just, he kind of knows what works for him, and he stays in <laughs> yeah. tune with like pop culture. Yeah, like Ric Flair drip. The man's in the music video. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Because someone came up with the song like, "Oh, it's Ric Flair drip." <laughs> because like it goes both ways. Like just as he's hip with the the new guys, like anyone that still knows Ric Flair. It's, yeah. When I wear a shirt. If it's not like The Rock, Steve Austin, or Flair, like no one knows what it is. Like a wrestling shirt. Like yeah. no one ever comments me on my NWO shirt. Right. And right, that was yeah. the height of wrestling popularity in ninety yeah. seven. Yeah. But I wear that Ric Flair sixteen time world champion pink T shirt and I get woos from everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's cool. Um, but he know he was just smart and he was always older as it was, because I think he got a late start to the game. So yeah. my first um, Impressions of Ric Flair was like 91. He came over to WWF from WCW. And yeah, even then, he was already in his 40s. Yeah. This man was no spring chicken. Yeah, yeah. that's and, wild. But he was the best. Like, <laughs> he was the best. He ran his mouth and like, yeah. there's nothing better. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know. <laughs> Always had like a robe on, the hair. Never won a match. ran his mouth. <laughs> never won one match. Dude, his finishing moves, the figure four, never beat anyone with it. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was always the dude, the ref would turn his back, he'd get a low blow in, roll you up, hook the tights. <laughs> but, like, that was his job. Like, before, um, to go back even farther, before the early 90s, like, when there were still territories, he was, like, the traveling world champion. So he yeah. would go and say, for example, if I was the, the big draw in Philadelphia, the big good guy, yeah. you know, Ric Flair would come around. I would challenge Ric Flair for the world title. 
it'll elevate me. I'd never beat him, but oh, I came that close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, everyone yeah. would be like, oh, that was his job. He'd wrestle you for 58 minutes, 60 minute time limit. He would go 60 minutes with you, make you look like a, a world champ, and make everyone think that, oh man, if he only had two more minutes, mm-hmm. if he didn't cheat the win. But like, man, you can't you can't beat that, which is different, which is kind of a lost clause. The business is very different these days. But yeah. He could always chat it up and just, like you said, stayed hip and stayed in tune to everything because he knew how to use that uh, all the verbiage to his swag to make someone buy tickets. So one of the guys I want to talk about uh, who's still obviously very relevant, obviously relevant, the, the WWE wouldn't be where it is without him, but Triple H, when he first came on the scene as you know the classic Hunter Hearst Helmsley mm-hmm. with the weird like ponytail thing and the blue blood, um, the Greenwich blue blood, yeah, and it was like it was super cringe. I don't know. In my opinion, you're like, oh, it was like, uh, and then he turned into like this badass out of nowhere, and you're like, wait, what? Actually, I like him now. Mm-hmm. Um, he came on the scene like kind of like a dork, in my opinion. I was like, Ugh. and then all of a sudden he turned into. So it's interesting to see. Uh, in your opinion, I want to. How, how do they come up with their characters? One, but then two. How I, is he the only person who literally transformed like that? Or can you name other people who went from totally one character with his chest all poked out. He's better than everyone too. Like he pulled into like WrestleMania in a Harley. Like literally in a Harley. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, that, I mean, is that possible for anyone is, else? Well, it takes time. Well, now I think they're more times have changed. Back then you had a little more time to build yourself up and if someone's going to invest in you, they're going to invest time and money with you. Now it's just like, hey, we're going to give you a shot. If this doesn't work out very quickly, yeah. we have 87 dudes down in Orlando ready to come fill your spot. Mm. So I think it was, again, right place, right time. But yeah. timing, you know, he was also friends with the right people. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. Which is kind of how he got his start. So he was in WCW, um, not doing anything more than, like, Saturday Night Main Event. He might have teamed with Regal as, like, an extension of the character that he brought to um, WWE. But he's from New England. Um, and I think... Vince or whoever just kind of had this idea of like stuck up Greenwich, yeah. which Vince lives in Greenwich. Yeah. So I imagine it's loosely based on like his neighbor yeah. or like someone that he's seen one time. I was yeah. like, I hate this dude. I'll make this into a character. Yeah. So but like more power to Hunter for showing up and like making that stupid face and that like, it was, like you said, the ponytail. That's yeah. all I remember is like the ponytail and the riding pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very strange. But um, he didn't do much at first. He kind of just floundered, but like... He was friends with Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash, you know, Razor Ramon and Diesel, and he was kind of part of that clique. So he was around people to put him in a good position. Doesn't mean he didn't work hard. Um, So when those guys kind of left, he just kept going up and up and up, mainly because he studied the business, wanted to be the best of the best. He worked on his ring game. And then once that attitude era kind of hit, and it was him and Shawn doing the DX thing, and he could show a little more personality and talk yeah. a little more and it wasn't just I mean he was just getting constantly more and more jacked yeah 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 days goes by <laughs> yeah. there's there's one day they were both out there in polos and I was like I never pictured Hunter as a body guy yeah and then I was like damn yo he's oh he's trying yeah all yeah, right yeah, let's yeah. see where this goes and then yeah. he got better and better and then he had China which added another dimension to his character so yeah. good guy bad guy and then he just once he just started getting he got hurt 
I think he tore his quad or something like that, or was one of his many injuries, and just came back so jacked, and his hair was so wet. Yeah. He was so tan that, like, he was just, oh, this dude's a badass now. Yeah. And he yeah. came back, and, his, cause he was, and he called himself the game, which yeah. I didn't understand because his, his jean jacket had leather sleeves or the other way around. I don't remember the combination, but yeah. it stood out. It was kind of weird, but yeah. off to the races, man. He never looked back. He's good, and he earned it. He yeah. earned it. It helped that he was dating the boss's daughter, but yeah. I swear, Hunter, that is not a diss. It's a blessing. <laughs> so, if I, was, I wish I was in the same position. So, I feel like another one who turned more that way. Started off as like, oh, this guy's somewhat of what you would call... Let's see if we're thinking the same person. Freak uh, uh, was Undertaker. So, Undertaker did go from that... It was like he had the pallbearers behind him and ooh, like all this like weirdo... Uh, stuff he he still stayed with that storyline, but then he did the same thing with the motorcycles I, thing. The I character mean, itself never changed. Yeah, never he changed. was introduced as like, and that was weird, man. I remember w- watching that or watching that tape of, you know, the Undertaker. And I was just like, I didn't get it. Yeah. I got it, and I was like, all right, well, he's dead. How do you beat him if he's dead? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was like, all right, he's not impervious to pain. It just takes him a second. Um, but they built him, and he just kind of stuck around for a little bit, and then like it was just time for a change. I think his first. He had left, and they brought back a fake Undertaker. Mm. Yeah, which like was enough to have him just change from the gray gloves to the purple <laughs> gloves, which is cool. Everything else was the same, but then yeah. he evolved a little bit more. And then um, once they brought Kane into the mix, once Paul Bearer turned, that's when like yeah, things got crazy because yeah. you established this character and the story and the arc of you didn't kill your pa- Kane, your brother. You killed your parents. Yeah, Kane was there. It wasn't Kane. It was you. Paul Bear was there. Did he do it? There's so much fire involved. Um, sports <laughs> entertainment people. But um, yeah, when the smoke cleared, and then he just disappeared and came back on a Harley. Yeah, and then disappeared again, and then <laughs> kidnapped Stephanie McMahon and possibly crucified Stone Cold Steve Austin on national television. But it wasn't a crucifixion. It was a symbol. Don't get it twisted. Yes. Uh, but it was 97, man. There was yeah. no rules. Jerry Jerry Springer was a real thing back then. Yeah. So, yeah. Like there was a, you could turn on Monday Night Raw and the, the boss's daughter was getting kidnapped yeah. by a man wearing eyeliner. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is cool. But I think the biggest example is The Rock. Yeah. The Rock came in as Rocky Maivia and yeah. um, was very close to getting fired or cut. They kind of just, no one liked him. They wanted him to be like this, this good guy, this good guy, this good guy. He had this long... Weird curly hair, which yeah. Miguel, who's cut my hair for countless years, my hair was once like that. Yeah. Um, he wasn't really sure what he was doing. He didn't have no charisma. He was very like, rah, rah, yeah, yeah, cheer for me. Eyebrow. Look at me, I'm the good guy. Yeah, none of this. And then like, he got thrown in the nation. And then you could see that once he got a little more accustomed to like facial expressions, because he wasn't the main focal point. He was just a side piece to Farouk and a couple other guys. And yeah. They had this weird tension where he would kind of just roll his eyes when Farouk would say something and he would give him a look. And then yeah. I think that's where the eyebrow came from. And yeah. people started talking smack on him and he would grab the mic and he, next thing you know, this man's face-to-face with Vin Diesel selling out yes. movie theaters. Mm. Like, that's that's a big jump from yeah. being, you know, never wrestled a day in your life. We're going to hire you because your dad did it in 96 to... You know, what, four years later, main event and everything, countless WrestleManias. So, so do you get to pick? So, so, all right, so hold on, let's get, let's, let's step back for a sec. Do you get to pick who you want to be? Or is it kind of like you try to portray that, and if that's something they want to go with, they will? Or tell us how that kind of works. So, I'll give an example on two different levels. So, uh, I've worked for WWE. 
a few times. I was never full-time. Let me just say that right there. So on a lower level, I don't want to call it backyard wrestling, but to give people um, an idea, you know, in baseball, there's minor league, triple-A, double-A, and then your majors. So me personally, I kind of started in that, like, double to triple-A or what we call super independent wrestling. Okay. Um, Backyard's a very bad word. Yeah. Um, so independent wrestling, when you're on that level, yeah, you can kind of do your own character. And it's not even that character driven. Like for me, I'm just kind of like a six foot big jack dude. So yeah. Like I'm your, you know, not generic monster, but like you can put me in any town. I can be a good guy. I can be a bad guy. Yeah. Just depending where we're at. Yeah. Um, once you get up to television, they usually have an idea for you if you don't present your own idea. Okay. Um, the most ideas that go over well, it's usually a... a a section of your person, a section of your personality, cranked up to like a thousand. Yeah. You always hear that where like Stone Cold really is just a Texas redneck. Yeah. But when the camera, you know, when the light turns on, he's at level one hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have no problem going out there talking smack to the crown and beating up the guy that I'm standing over yeah. and just doing what I wish I could do in an LA fitness parking lot. With yeah. No you know what I mean? Like that's fine for me. But I'm, you know. But I'm really sure that um, Bastion Booger didn't pick that gimmick out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Terry Taylor and his Red Rooster gimmick back in 91. Like, yeah. There's always this old adage of like, oh, there's just a box of gimmicks. And like, there was a day where they pulled one out and it was Mr. Perfect, my favorite wrestler of all time. And there was the Red Rooster Terry Taylor. If the worlds was reversed and Terry Taylor was Mr. Perfect, that would have been great for him. And yeah. I don't think... Kurt Henning would have been great as the Red Rooster. So sometimes you're just given the hand that you're dealt. But once you're there and you get an opportunity like that, much like The Undertaker, how many people would have got that gimmick and yeah. not bought into it yeah. um, and let it just squander? And The Undertaker would have been on TV and right off TV in six months. That man made 30 years out of it so and countless millions of dollars because he invested – he believed in it. He knew it was his opportunity. He lived the gimmick in and outside the ring. Mm-hmm. Took pictures, but didn't really like talk much when he was in the airport type thing. And kind of lived up to that for his entire career, almost. So in the 80s, I would say, or obviously before that, 70s, 80s, fitness was a thing, right? Of course, it always sure. was. But as the years progressed, the guys got aggressively bigger and bigger and way more fit. So, like, you had the bellies almost, like, in the 80s, and that was, sure. like, yeah. normal. Like, no one mm-hmm. cared. It was just a big figure. But now it's, like, a muscular big figure, for the most part. Sure. Um, of course, you have, depending on what their character is. So, what, what what's ha, how did that change and, like, the fitness, you know, come in? Obviously, you have to be fit to do that. And I also want you to talk about that. Sure. Some people think they can just run out there and, you know, in two minutes ain't nothing. That's it's, it's a lot of work. So, explain the fitness thing and then... I think the evolution kind of came from the more and more television exposure. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you were going on TV tomorrow, yeah, you'd have Miguel cut your hair. Yeah. You would shave, wear your best outfit. Now, when you're stripped down to your, your undies, so yeah. to speak, or, yeah. you know, you're in less garb, you know, you're going to want to look the best possible on television because, you know, I've been lucky enough to be on TV. And when I say the camera adds 10 pounds, like... I look good on a good day if I'm lucky. Yeah. A little baby oil underneath the bright lights, man, I don't even know who that person was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I do yeah. anything to look like that all the time. So <laughs> I get that mentality, and, like, you always want to look your best and, like, be the best presentation of yourself. And um, it's that combined with, like, 
a lot of cardiovascular stuff that you can't mimic in the gym. Mm. You'll hear this term a lot, like ring rust, um, yeah. like being in shape, being out of shape, being not in ring shape. Um, it's because before I trained, I kind of asked like, hey, what can I do to kind of like, you know, because, you know, growing up, I did football, baseball, stuff yeah. like that. You know, I'm kind of a gym guy. And he's like, mm, there's not really much you can do to prepare for this. Yeah. Um, um, but maybe like a CrossFit <laughs> or more like a circuit type of workout where you're going like immediately from one thing to the next um, is the only way to kind of work up that, that cardiovascular stuff without being in the ring. But uh, it's hard, but it's, it's also like riding a bike. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing was like I would forget to breathe. Yeah, because I'm just like so lost in the moment. It's just yeah. like, and then I'd stand up and be like, <gasps> breathe, got yeah. it. Yeah. So once you can like master all those things and just like clear your head and be relaxed, um, it just it just takes time. Much like everything. Yeah. You know that ten thousand hours additive of, you know, you put ten thousand hours into a job, yada yada yada. But you'll never get ten thousand hours in a wrestling ring. So if you're just in shape and train well, you should be okay. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. What um, what what about injuries, right? So people always talk about oh, but it's they're just entertaining, it's fake. But you really do have to be at some level, like you said, some level of shape, right? Sure. Um, and you know some of those smacks you hear across someone's chest, you see the water splatting, splattering everywhere, the sweat, whatever it is, and. Injuries have to happen. Mm -hmm. What kind of walk through that? Because people are like, "Oh, it's fake." It's like, yeah, but these dudes are sometimes really getting hit. Yeah, like, yeah I, I never understood when. You know, there's always that moment in time where everyone kind of realizes that it's not like 100% real. Yeah. You know, you don't have to stand in the corner and punch someone in the face ten times. No black eye, nobody knows, no bruises to kind of like get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, right. But there was never a time where like the you know the credits came on at the beginning of like. What you're watching is real. Right. This is all real. Right. Trust me. Right. Um, so it's always been that like unspoken thing. So people always kind of like hate on wrestling a little bit, but yeah. Um, it's all. It was always meant to be entertainment. Yeah. Um, the best description I can get for a, like when I go on a date and a girl asks me like, "Oh my god, but is it real?" I'm like, "Well, football players know they're going to get tackled. Like yeah. they know the tackle's coming. It yeah. still hurts. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. brace themselves. Right. But like in the same in the same aspect, like when you're in a wrestling ring. There's more things that are full contact. Um, I mean, full on shoulder, shoulder, chest to chest, like meat on meat. Um, there's no avoiding that. Sometimes yeah. things go wrong. Like you do know how to fall. You know where to land. You don't want to land on people. But I mean, I tore my ACL. I have a broken hand. I have 208 discs currently. Jeez. I have both my rotator cuffs have been torn. Is this a combination from like the gym and working out and like everything combined? Yes. But like I have been hurt in the ring and it's more taking care of yourself um think like old football player thing like gotta ice up after the game maybe yeah. stretch for a little longer before the game so the older we get and the more technology evolves the more you kind of learn um how to take care of your body and what to prep for um i was never big on stretching and now like if i know i gotta do something man i'm stretching for like 35 minutes yeah, yeah, yeah just to yeah, go out there to only feel like crap a little bit yeah so yeah it's just it's just a matter of time and know it works for you like I think I, I started late, so I was like 20, almost 24, 25 when I started. 35 now, man, if I got to do, if I got to do 10 more matches, I'm going to have to have off for like 10 days after each day. So yeah. It gets a little tough. Yeah. So explain a little bit about, or if you could provide insight on um, 
the matches. So how does it all go down? How does it get planned? Um, uh, if you can talk about it anyway, uh, kind of like a Monday Night Raw versus you know like a WrestleMania or something like that. And what's all, what does it all entail? Uh, it really just depends who you're working for, what you're doing. Um, again, I don't want to speak too much on the WWE level because yeah. you know I know what they expect and what they want, and I've been around that, so I'll touch base on it a little bit. But speaking on my level, there's more freedom. Yeah, you know, it's kind of just like. Hey, you know what your match is when you get to the building. Um, usually there's like a sheet, you know, there's a little underline against the person who might be winning. Yeah. You know, if it's real yeah. or fake. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, and it's your, it's your job to kind of get there, make everything else happen. Gotcha. Um, I worked with a company, uh, Shakar previously, that was based out of Northeast Philadelphia, yeah. which was very comic book S combined with professional wrestling, very much storyline driven stuff. So... I've been on very random shows where it's just like you're just paid to be here and there's no real storyline or anything like that. It's just like, all right, you two guys got 12 minutes. Make the best of it. Yeah. Pick whoever wants it. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this place, we would get there and like there's a sheet or usually we actually have an email a couple days before, but pretty much whatever was in your email, just like highlights. Like we, if there was like a thing or two specifically that needed to happen um, and obviously the finish, which usually isn't the most important part. Like... To be honest, winning and losing doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, majority of my matches that were actually really good and the ones that I liked the most, I lost every time. Yeah. So, doesn't, you know, don't get me wrong. I really loved the, like, the year and a half that we had the tag belts and we were beating everyone. <laughs> kind of by the skin of our teeth, a little Ric Flair style. But, you know, yeah. there was days where we never won. We lost all the time. Yeah. And uh, those are the best matches to have. Now, on a WWE level, um, that's a full-blown production. Yeah. They have... Um, producers or an agent that kind of relays whatever Vince McMahon wants to the match and then from there they have highlight points because they're talking segments TV cameras where you're going to be how you're going to end the segment how you're going into commercial how you're going out of commercial these are things that they have to hit um, there's a little more you know in between stuff doesn't really matter yeah uh, there's obviously the finish where they're going to do the finish how they're going to get that caught on camera and there's some little patterns like um not to give too much away, but anytime Kofi or the New Day's out there, Kofi does some crazy thing over the top rope, lays out everyone, everyone's dead. All right, we're going to commercial. Ah, yeah, yeah. but it's the best part. <laughs> and then when you come back from commercial, Kofi's getting eaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, we're going into the next segment. So if you kind of pick up, you can kind of see where you're going. Like something real big usually happens for the commercial break yeah. to keep you around, just kind of see how it finishes off. So yeah, that stuff's a little more entail. And then... For them, it's even more important for them to hit their times. Uh, time cues are very important if you ever keep an eye on the ref. Uh, the ref is just as important as any two wrestlers in the ring because they usually have a headpiece on and they're being fed cues from, you know, whether it be their production guy at the side or sometimes Vince McMahon himself in the back. And it's just like two minutes, three minutes. And then, unfortunately, with those guys, if someone else goes long beforehand and you have an eight-minute segment and they want two minutes long, like, you're down to six minutes. Wow. So, and sometimes you don't know until you're going through the curtain. I've heard it before where it's just like, <gasps> like, oh, we had 10 minutes. We have four minutes now with entrances. So you have to look good, go through the curtain, music's playing, wait for that other person to go. I mean, you're already a minute and 30 seconds deep. You got to get a match off in another three minutes and 30 seconds. Good luck. Yeah. And like, wow. there's no buying time. Like there's a little leeway on commercials, but like show ends at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And I think there's, I, I think Al Snow told us one time, it's just like, 
every 10 minutes of television is like, you know, $500,000. <laughs> like, so can you imagine going two minutes over because you wanted to be greedy? Yeah. Um, not the best today to do it. Or think about it, like WrestleMania. Imagine going over your match two minutes in WrestleMania, and then you got to go tell The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels that, hey, guys, I know you're going to go like 35 minutes, but like you can only do 30 now. Yeah. Or in some cases, I think if you've ever watched like Total Divas, there's always a match in between like the main event and the match before the main event's usually like, I don't want to say a throwaway match, but like a reset match for you to go to the bathroom, go to the vending machine, whatever the case may be. Uh, if someone else goes long, sometimes that whole match gets wiped out. Yeah. So it was meant to be a five minute segment, just like as a, a let me down and a refresher. Um, you go long, you just could, and you could ruin someone's total payday from that. You know what I mean? That could have been the difference from someone making, you know, a difference of $5,000 to $80,000. Theoretically, in a world like that, so. Hmm. Wow. So, so growing up, um, I'm assuming you said Mr. Perfect, but was there, like, once you're in the game, so to speak, was there someone you kind of looked at as a mentor or you, like, looked up to, wanted to be in a sense of career-wise, not his actual character? Um, yeah, there's a few people. Um, Cesaro, which you guys might know, he's a current guy. He was trained by the uh, one of the people that I was trained by. Um, my similarities to him are just like we were the same height, we were oh, a little okay. on the thinner side. I had yeah. like less mass back then, but his athleticism and like his natural strength—I don't have natural strength, but my athleticism—it's eh, there. So yeah. it was comparable. Yeah, 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 it was just like, well, I want to be him. Like yeah. I want to do everything that he does because he was someone I looked up to because I—it was just right there. Yeah. He was trained by the same guy that I was, and we both come off as pretty athletic. There's no reason why I can't. So he's one person. Um, I'm glad to see him. I think him and like Roman Reigns are about to wrestle for the title, which oh, is wow. amazing because he was one of those guys who was like close to getting fired and then thought about leaving and then resigned and now he's Roman he's the big dog. There's yeah. no there's no denying it. Yeah. That he's dude's the man. He's yeah. the future. Like yeah. he is everything that every person we talked about is for the next five years. There's no denying that. Um, a person on a lower level is probably Drew Gulak, okay. uh, who helped train me. He's a local guy, he's from Philadelphia. Little on the smaller side, but like his, he used to always tell me if I looked like you, I'd be a millionaire. He goes, if you could wrestle like me, you'll be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, neither of us have those two things. Yeah, <laughs> um, he may he's signed and makes way more money than I do, uh, which is fine. But um, he's someone I looked up to just because like his work ethic, like he would never tell anyone no. Yeah, he's a little bit of a crazy person. Yeah, nothing I wouldn't tell him to his face, but like crazy in a way, like super dedicated. First one there, last one out. Always wants to learn. Goes above and beyond. Um, will help you if you're receptive. Yeah. So um, just a few people like that. And then, you know, people that you watch from afar, like Roman. Like Roman Reigns is... Dude wrestled with a shirt on for like three years. Disappeared. Oh, oh, has cancer. Like, that's not talk about. The man had leukemia. I almost forget this. And like came back like cancer-free yeah. with a shirt off jacked shredded and a new set of teeth and like i've never been <laughs> so happy for someone in my inspired life. too i, I want dentures i can't afford <laughs> not dentures what do you call them veneers veneers are like forty thousand oh, yeah. dollars this man's making crazy money yeah and i have nice teeth but i want my listen i uh, I, I cut his hair when he made his first day back when he made that debut and i didn't even know that was like his first day back i wasn't and they're like, this is this huge for him? Like, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And like all these years that we booed this man, like yeah. just because he was forced down our throat, in hindsight, like he's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Now he's an actual bad guy. It took 
a global pandemic and no people in the audience for yeah. him to actually be a bad guy because when it was happening, I'm like, well, how do you boo a guy who beat cancer? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He came back. Yeah, like, yeah. It makes sense. But as soon as the smoke clears um, and people start, like, he got booed at WrestleMania in front of a, you know, a few thousand people, but I can't wait for the day. It's, I think, maybe him and Rock at WrestleMania, either in Texas or L.A., you didn't hear you didn't hear here first, but I'm, I'm leaking that. In time. I know a thing or two. Probably LA, but you know if they're going to do it, maybe next year in 150,000 people in, in Jerry's world. Wow, let's That's go! Crazy. The ultimate sign that Corona's over. Yeah, the only thing we can make it better for was like on like Fourth of July, like America's birthday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like other than that, I think you know that's what it is. But yeah, definitely Roman for sure, just because he's a. A true inspiration. In and outside the ring. Like he's a family man. Never had any issues with anything. And just never let all the stupid wrestling fans that tried to boo him let him down. Because much like any form of entertainment, like wrestling and Twitter can be very toxic. Yeah. Very toxic. So, so explain a little bit about... So if there's someone listening, thinking, you know, I want to take this a little bit more serious. I want to take it to the next level. Explain what the process truly is like. Is it something where you, you know, like go into college and you want to play football for a particular team? You send them videos <laughs> and, uh, and there's tryouts or... How does it actually work? Is there, are there... Do they hold events for... You know, people who want to pursue this as a career, or is it kind of like you you sign up with a league and you just wait for a phone call? It used to be this old like wrestling was very different back in the day. It used to have to be like I don't want to say like jumped in almost like a yeah. gang thing. Yeah, but it was definitely a closed off world where like if you just hung around like after the shows for a little bit and like ask questions, like eventually someone would smarten you up and yeah. like by smarting you up they would beat out of you until yeah. you thought it was 100 percent real and they would want you to not come back yeah uh which is awesome i mean it sounds like a great place to be obviously today <laughs> in this day's world not you can't really get away with that much so i went to a wrestling school ironically right here in bristol pennsylvania oh well wow. uh the old ring of honor wrestling academy was right on um canal street okay uh at the canal works building or right yeah. next to the canal works building um which was you know, most people don't know, ROH was started by a guy who lived in, like, Langhorn. Like, these three dudes who were pretty local, so uh, that was their office. And once I found out that the school was there, um, CM Punk was, like, the first trainer. Um, oh, wow. And then it was someone else trained after that. But then I had Delirious, um, who was actually still, like, with ROH and runs the company for the most part. Um, I went and, like, kind of just sent an email. I, I waited till I was in shape because I, you know, yeah. Miguel knows me from... When I was six foot five and weighed 180 pounds, yeah. as opposed to being 250 now, um, so I I started a little late because I wanted to be in like I wanted to look the part, yeah. Which was I always heard was a thing like Vince McMahon always says like if you walk through the airport, I want people to think that you're a professional wrestler, yeah. Um, which is I, is a, I kind of get that vibe every once yeah. in a while. I feel like yeah. I look the part, yeah. So I wanted to go in, um, you know, with a good body and a good physique, good physique. I figured it would help me, but uh, it was more to my detriment than anything. Yeah. Because there was still, it was this mix of like, oh, we'll take your money. You can sign up. Anyone can sign up. But we're going to just see how long it's going to take you to quit. Um, so, and I got <laughs> it the worst because I'm the tallest person there. Everyone else was like pretty average and we had a couple girls. It was like me and one taller dude who was like from the South, like super polite. Yeah. The nicest guy in the world who we were like secretly best friends. But I was like, bro, don't even act like you know me because like I get beat up so bad. <laughs> so, and I'm kind of speak my mind, have yeah. no filter. Yeah. Um, 
don't back down from anything. So yeah. it kind of got me, you know, doing 500 more squats than everybody else did. <laughs> <laughs> but in hindsight, it, it made me a better person. But it was, it was a little tough. But I always say just, like, be in shape, which is the – people just think they can just show up right off the couch. Yeah. Um, and when I say be in shape, like, at least – hit the gym yeah um because if you want to if you want to have a match with me and i don't feel safe with like you're not doing anything to me yeah. like, i'm not yeah. gonna trust somebody to pick me up yeah. off my feet put my life in their hands like, yeah you know i'm single but like i got a family to go. i gotta go home and feed my dog i can't <laughs> you know what i mean i can't just you know take some move and just hope that you're gonna like support my weight enough you know what i mean like we know it's all all fixed but we kind of help each other get up a little bit so like or if something happens if you can't catch me and secure me safely like this ends badly for one of us yeah Mm -hmm. hopefully i don't want to hurt anybody i'd rather get hurt than hurt someone of course um but yeah just people that show up and they're just like oh this will be easy that's never it's it's not if it was easy we would all we would all be tag champs right now we just have a (laughs) three-on-three tag team and we just do it forever yeah but yeah be in shape study you know know your stuff um just and be a little bit athletic um that's all that's all i can say look the part yep so explain um the fan base right so the support from the fan base and its importance um i love i remember i remember like the sign era i don't know if they still you know people are out there with signs and stuff but um just the support that people are WrestleManiacs, like to the tenth power. It's a whole world um, in itself. And uh, but explain that. Like obviously that's needed, or none of this would sure. truly be possible. They're the ones driving the revenue. It's uh, it's weird because like more props to the guys who are been doing this for the past year in front of no one. Yeah, it is yeah. the <laughs> hardest thing ever. I don't. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, stay away from it. Like I couldn't imagine doing a match in front of no people, no sound, nothing. You're yeah. just kind of hoping that they're going along with it. Yeah. Um, but the fans, obviously, besides like buying tickets and buying your merch and literally supporting you financially and supporting the company that they they love, you feed off their emotion. Like, you know, I've wrestled in front of literally twelve people. Yeah. On Mother's Day in Providence, Rhode Island. There was yeah. more guys in the locker room than there was that paid tickets that day. We still had a good time, though, because yeah. those 12 people were into it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I've also wrestled in front of 5,000 people who were also into it, and like, it's the same vibe. Like, yeah. People are there, and they spent their money. Like, It is what it is. You're going to put your all in. But um, it's just, it's really important to just kind of feed off that. And just, same thing like I was mentioning earlier, when you have that flexibility to kind of change your match around on the fly, if people are digging something, you just go with it. Like, just keep yeah. harping on it. If people aren't really enjoying what you're doing, like, oh, maybe we got to move on, or maybe it's time, maybe our time's up. We had yeah. eight minutes, but today's a good day coming a little early. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's, you know, cut three minutes off this match and uh, let's go see if we can get a hot dog from the concession stand. <laughs> yeah. So, it's just, it's a good combination. And then in the same breath, if things are going well, maybe take a couple minutes or two. I've, done that on on more occasions where it's just like yeah we had like we planned on doing this this and this they're eating out of the palm of our hands like let's give them everything we got and we'll worry about getting we'll yeah. get through the other side of the curtain like oh but fans are very important if it wasn't for them like the wwe and you know i think we kind of all owe it to vince mcmahon um because anyone who operates on a lower level below wwe is only here because of vince mcmahon yeah like not this year but most wrestlemania's 
it's not just WrestleMania on Sunday. There's shows starting, I think, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday. I've been on shows at midnight on a Thursday because that was like the only time slot. And there's so much things going off. And we're all, we're all there because Vince McMahon allows us to be there. Yeah. You know, there's 100,000 people there for wrestling. Like, you just hope that maybe 3,000 of them will come to your little event on a Thursday two blocks over. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's very important. It's a very tight-knit group and community. I... Maybe growing up, maybe you guys can probably relate to this. Like, we're, where we live, people are just kind of passionate about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Baseball, football, yeah. people just seem a little crazy. So I just yeah. assume that, like, this is what's, like, all over the place. Yeah. But wrestling fans are, if you could just imagine Eagles fans in every city across the country, <laughs> that's what wrestling fans are. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. And, like, yeah. people, spend, like people spend money and come from all over. Uh, I've talked to people from yonder to come into town for not, I don't want to say that my events aren't big or they weren't big at the time, but there's people that came from England to come to Easton, Pennsylvania for a three day tournament. Crazy. Could yeah. you, I, I, I won't, I barely want to come here for a haircut. <laughs> 30 minutes away. And I, I pay you, but I'm, I'm booking a flight and like all this stuff. And you know, I've been to WrestleMania. It's worth it. So I, I get it. But, um, there's just a lot of stuff, there, but all the good, there's a lot of negative that comes with it too. Like, yeah, the internet wrestling community that like just likes to hate on anything whether it be good or bad yeah it's very toxic it's it's one of the reasons why i've been away for as long as i have yeah um but i am in the mess of making a comeback we'll get to that in a little bit nice um so explain explain a little bit about the the balance of everyday living versus um you know focusing on 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 wrestling is there do you have like a like a routine that you do to obviously stay in shape uh, or stay in tune with what's going on in the wrestling world, uh, those kinds of things? Sure. It, it changes um, Changes what kind of like my emotion. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'm at all, like, sometimes there's, there's been times where wrestling just absorbs every part. Because at this point now you can watch Raw on Monday, AEW on Wednesday, NXT's Tuesday now, there's something on Thursday, <laughs> SmackDown's Friday, and like I can't even keep up because something else already happened and I forget what I was supposed to go back and watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now, and then that combined with the phone in your hand and like the Twitter at your, yeah. your fingertips, <laughs> it can be a little overwhelming. And there's times where I don't watch nothing. Yeah. So I haven't watched anything probably since last WrestleMania. I watched the Royal Rumble, watched a couple things here and there, and then we did... WrestleMania at my place. I watched WrestleMania. It was a good time. Yeah. But uh, I, I when I'm on the road and I'm like active, and when I mean active for me on a on a part time level, one or two weekends a month. Yeah. I keep my normal gym routine. If there's a show coming up that I really care about, I'll start doing a little more cardio. Yeah. A little more abs. A little less pizza. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the things that have used to be like, oh, if I just do cardio for three days, four days, ripped, no problem. Now yeah. I'm a little older. It's like uh, 10 days out. Like, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's kind of get into it. But, and then I try to just take it easy for a couple days. And then depending what my travel is beforehand, give myself a good amount of time to be rested, get there. Usually, if it's anything more than like five hours, like I'll have a flight. Boston's as far as I go. Yeah. Um, but those trips are brutal because I like to go and come back. Especially, yeah. I don't, there's no need to stay tonight. Yeah. So I, I'm insistent on like, oh no, I don't need a hotel room. I'll just drive back. Yeah. So now I'm getting home at three thirty in the morning. Yeah. Six foot five, crunched in a rental car for ten hours round yeah. trip. I got beat up for six minutes. Uh, I had Taco <laughs> Bell on the way home. So it's just a combination of everything. The next day I just want to crash. I'm like, yeah. Die. But um, usually if. The, my turnaround time, like, ah, oh, Monday's going to be rough. And I was like, oh, Tuesday, Wednesday's a little rough. Yeah. Now, you know, we'll see how it is. Yeah. I should be okay. I feel like I'm in 
peak performance, but I just kind of buckle up and just go along for it. Yeah. Hope for the best, usually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so explain, you alluded to it already, uh, but a little bit of a comeback. So you, you want to... Oh, yeah. Well, Corona kind of put a kibosh on thing. I was uh, working for WWE beforehand. I'm not going to say this was a guaranteed thing, but there were some talks going in. Um, MVP, who was always super nice to me when he worked for MLW um, down in Orlando a few years ago. We had cross paths. And uh, so, and we've always had good rapport. He's a nice guy. Um, I was lucky enough to had worked with uh, Drew McIntyre when he got fired the first time for whatever. He came to Evolve and kind of... You know, help me and my tag partner out because we were kind of same size as him, and he knew that's where we wanted to go. So he vouched for me as being a good person, which is like the the man who's just getting ready to beat Brock Lesnar was like, oh yeah, I'll vouch for Thomas any day. Wow. So there were some talks. It's like, all right, let me make some calls. Let's get through WrestleMania, and then that was March 9th of last year, which was the last live show they did. It was in Washington D.C., and then like Corona hit like two days later. We went to March 8th. <laughs> the one we went in yep, Philly. March 8th, Mar- March 9th. It was. Uh, I don't remember what pay-per-view it was. That. Was it the Chamber or yeah, it was something wild? Uh, yeah, so I was working for them and then talked to MVP that night in uh, D.C. I was just like, let's just get through these next couple weeks. And I was come to Tampa. I was going to go to Tampa and hang out like whole WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. See if we could find out why my two previous tryouts didn't go in my way. Um, just figure out what the where we were going to go. Because yeah. he had an idea, which I think turned out to be uh, the Hurt Business, which... Bobby Lashley's now the world champion. Yeah. Um, so there was just some some minor talks to see if we could get things going there, and then Corona hit. Now we're all we've all been in the house forever. Yeah. So there's not really many independent shows. I haven't done that, but I'll leak this first. Nobody else knows. Battleground Pro Wrestling, September 18th, the ECW Arena, the 2300 Arena in South Philadelphia. I'm yes. coming back. I don't know if it's the the last time or just the next time, but. I'll start stretching now. Nice. I, I got plenty of time. I don't really know. I don't know what to expect. I'll at least look the part. So if you get there and I'm huffing and puffing, just just bear with me. But that's awesome. So I'm coming back. That's all I know. You know as much as I know. I got nice. the date. Eight o'clock. Somewhat family friendly. I know there's a big um, like autograph signing earlier in the day. I know like Kane, Mark Henry, uh, Rob Van Dam will be there. Um, there's a lot of people that are on beforehand, so uh, it should be a good time had by all. And I like doing local stuff, which I didn't really come around too often before. Um, so I don't ever expect anyone to drive to like New York City or Easton or Virginia and stuff like that. Yeah. Unless, unless you want to hop a ride with my parents. My dad will go to anything and drive yeah. in distance, yes. which is yeah. like, it's always cool to have someone to support you. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't even, I just tell him where it was and I knew he, oh, I'll see if he can make it. And like, you look over in the third row, it's like, hey, what's up, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> so you knew he'd be there. But yeah. uh, my parents have always been supportive, but it's always nice to have uh, my friends out. I did a, a local show for these guys probably like two years back in Feasterville. Like a very big turnout. I had like a whole side of the arena, um, which is weird for me to come awesome. through down the aisle with a licensed Kanye West song that I probably shouldn't be playing if there's yeah. a street <laughs> on the internet. And like, yeah. you're somewhat hometown hero, and people are like cheering for me as like someone that's been a bad guy their whole life. It's yeah. just like, this is fun. Yeah, so awesome. it, it makes it uh, it makes it all worthwhile, especially when everyone can see what you're doing. So, so say the date again. September 18th, uh, Battleground Pro Wrestling. ECW Arena, formerly known as ECW Arena, yeah. 2300 Arena. I think tickets go on sale probably within the next couple of months. It's still pretty early out. Yeah. Hopefully the world's in a much better place. I know that um, Philly's restrictions have been lifted on indoor events, so we should have a pretty good turnout. I'm sure the safety and guideline 
will all be met. Uh, and there's beer there, so if yeah, we like that venue. Cool. We're actually yeah, going we, to a boxing match on June fifth. We, we did a we saw um, like one of the UFC or MMA yep. venues. So, dude, we're gonna get it all in. We went to MMA. Then. Uh, MMA. It was uh, what was it CFFC? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, we're going to a pro boxing. One of our cousins is fighting uh, June fifth, and then hopefully in September we'll see you. Yeah. So I'll be there for sure. Yeah. I'll oh man, that's all. I love that venue too because yeah, it's, it's close enough it's to home, and like it's you said. Too. I like the setup. I like it's it's. You say uh, that, but someone who was there as a small child yeah. is the dirtiest place I've ever been to in my <laughs> yeah. life. Like when they say that place was a bingo hall, it was a rundown bingo hall. Yeah. Props to Roger who owns that building now, who just like never. That building was bought and sold so many times, and there wasn't wrestling in there for years, and he just kept thriving and thriving and renovating that place, and it's immaculate now. Yeah. There's it's, air conditioning, it's nice in there, man. and yeah. heat. Yeah, everything's one color. There's it's, concessions. Yeah. In in the bathroom, like above, they still have like the old ECW artwork. Yeah, like, there's the, the bathrooms aren't gross yeah. like yeah. they used to be because I remember going to the bathroom in the '90s in that place, and it yeah. was not not yeah. the place to be. Yeah, but thankfully things have changed and yeah. time never evolved. So I've only wrestled in that building one time, so it's like it's still a little bit of a big deal to me. So yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking cool. forward to it. What um. All right, so what's your recommendation to anyone who is trying to chase the dream of becoming a wrestler? Never give up. Keep a full-time job. Um, don't become reliant on it. Uh, there's, there's nothing worse. I mean, independent wrestling on itself, it's, you're lucky to make 100 bucks a night yeah. you know, on a very, very low level. You're lucky to get paid at all for, you know, for just showing up. Uh, yeah. So depending on where you're at, um, especially if you don't have merchandise or if you're just starting out, there's no money to be made on a smaller, small level. Much like I always make the, you know, I try to equate it to being like a stand-up comedian. Yeah. You know, how many people do stand-up countless times for free before they start getting paid for it? Absolutely. So you got to keep that mindset. Like your first match doesn't mean the first time you're going to get an envelope with some money in it. Right. It wasn't my first time. It was right. months before I got paid. Yeah. Um, and then once you start making money and building a fan base and like selling merchandise, like that's kind of how you make your bread and butter. But Knowing when you get into the car with three other people that you're not dead broke relying on whatever you make that weekend is yeah. very important. Um, so keep a job. Be honest with your job. Like most people think wrestling's cool because they don't know anyone else that does it. Yeah. yeah. So I've never had an issue. And there's always that one person that low-key loves wrestling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Like even if it's just like from yeah. an old time before, I would always tell my, um, my old sales manager, I'm like, Listen, man, I got a date that's just like not gonna work for yeah. anything else. And he's yeah. like, "Oh, you can kind of work work remote that day." Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. AKA, I'm working on an airplane to like fly to Orlando to like do some WWE stuff. So, um, you usually get lucky, but uh, just have a backup plan. Like I say, for anything else, education's important, or whatever you do for a living. Don't quit your job to go wrestle on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. just make it happen, or make sure your schedule is, uh, you know lines up perfectly it's mm. just there's nothing worse than being in a car with someone that you know like hey man like we're gonna go inside and get something to eat do you want something it's like oh no i'm good it's like bro no you should probably eat do you need me to grab you something like <laughs> yeah uh i don't have to be someone's dad but yeah definitely have a real job have health insurance these are things that you don't think of yeah. if you don't have a job with health insurance and then you break your leg and some fluke weird thing yeah what are we going to do on the way home yeah like you're beat and then what you don't wrestle you don't have a real job you're just going back to your mom's house yeah so common sense things that I shouldn't have to tell people, but um, have something to fall back on and have a little bit of money in your pocket. It helps if you have someone that's like 
knows your passion and support yeah. you. Like my parents helped me with wrestling school when I was super young, so yeah. they didn't pay all of it, but yeah. they definitely chipped in a little bit. And I worked for full time and just you know had a real job. Took my PTO days to take off on a Friday to travel and be back to work by Monday. Yeah, that's all. Simple. Nice. Uh, what one more thing? Uh, actually, I want to go back on. What about um, any memorabilia? I think I saw you post something from I don't know. I forget exactly what it was, but it was something from the seventies. It was like a ticket or like a brochure. <laughs> this one, I have recently posted. I that came across this somewhere else. It was a wrestling magazine classified ad from like nineteen seventy nine. And without yeah. pulling the picture up, Bruno the dude, Martino, the like dude the was game. selling a human skull oh. in. <laughs> I I, in, somewhere out of Philly. In Northeast Philadelphia, <laughs> like uh, like Bustleton. I, I Googled the, the zip code, Bustleton. It was like a, 100 bucks, which seems like a deal. Yeah. <laughs> For a human <laughs> Seems like a deal. I'm not sure. Super sketchy, though. <laughs> and I think uh, my actual post is just like, listen, I'm no rat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not telling on nobody, but yeah. there has to be questions about this. Yeah. I mean, statue of limitations, I don't know. There's weird stuff. <laughs> I'm not big on memorabilia. I have like... An autographed Hulk Hogan picture. It's like him and Muhammad Ali. Um, I wasn't able to get Ali to sign it, obviously, because he was super old by the time I ended up getting it. Yeah. Um, I have like little, I have like my own action figure. Oh, that's awesome. Just kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I keep it like on my shelf. That's um, his trophy right there. Yeah. It really is. Like, it's, yeah. it's my convert. People look through the house and it's like, I have, not to seem conceited, but I have this shelf that I don't, I'm a minimalist, so yeah. I don't have anything. But the top shelf is a baby picture of myself. Yeah. Which I had to take somewhere, and I never gave it back to my mother, so I just yeah. keep it out. And every time I move, it comes with me. And like the next shelf is like these two action figures that are me, and it's like a picture of my dog. Like I don't know what to put on. I don't have kids. Like, I don't yeah. have anything to display. Yeah. Like so. Other than that, um, I really don't have much. I have like a little, um, like a like a rip ticket from like it's like the 30s or 40s, but it was from Philadelphia, wow. like an actual like wrestling ticket that I found at like some weird like bodega shop like off south street somewhere it could probably be 100 percent fake but i paid 40 bucks for it yeah, um, yeah, yeah it was cool uh but i'm trying to get a hold of our old tag team titles uh the company doesn't really exist anymore for weird reasons and the guy just has like all this stuff at his house and my, my tag partner slowly working on getting like the actual belts that we that had so cool yeah i'm not a fan of like replica belts or like having things that like but i the belt that we had for a year the title yeah. I want this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. what I'm going to do with this. I'll probably put it in a nice little case. But yeah. That's, that's um, we're tough. working on that. I text him every once in a while. I'm like, hey, man, listen. I, I got like $1,000. Ask this man. How, I know how much he paid for him. And it, it, yeah. Get it done. Yeah, yeah. So we're working on it. So eventually I'll have that. And then I just have like little things. I was in like a wrestling magazine once. So I think that's like in my closet. That's cool. And I have like a little uh, flyer. Just stuff for myself. To remind yeah, you do me always of. have those, the shirts. You always have like. Yes, I always have t-shirts. Our t-shirt store is still up, prowrestlingtees.com slash Devastation Corporation, if you want to support. Nice. Um, There's some good logos in there, but, like, I bought a couple for myself, and, like, I'll buy one every once in a while, just, like, because they're they're funny designs that still bring up old memories. Of course. Dumb stuff. Yeah. Other than that, I try not to, like, go down that rabbit hole, because I feel like once you buy one thing, you end up with a a room full of junk. Yeah. I just don't want to have junk. Yeah. That's true. Just little stuff. Stuff that makes that's important to me, but may not be worth jacking anybody else. Yeah. 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 Any closing words? Oh, parting words. Never give up. Never give up. No, I'm I'm still riding this dream out. Like I'm 
fully focused on like my real life job and career and life right now. But like, you know, um, every once in a while, I don't, do you guys know Elias? Yeah. Uh, Walk yeah. with Elias guy plays yes. the guitar. He's had. It's funny because one of my first times working for WWE, he was his first time working for WWE. We were there as like extras. So oh, wow. anytime that I say I'm an extra, it's when WWE brings in just like local trained wrestlers that either need to wrestle someone and get beat. Sometimes you'll see him dressed as like a fake doctor or someone that might get slapped around, whatever the case may be, security guards. Anytime there's someone, I never get picked because I'm too tall. Like I stand out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. literally, I don't even know why they bring me there. I just hang out in catering. Yeah. I got used one time for like an entrance at the Velveteen Dream, uh, which was cool, but he had three tryouts. I think maybe even four before he got wow. like hired. Yeah. And there's countless stories of people just like, nah, Keith Lee, another one. Keith Lee was at my first tryout together, and um, there's actually footage of like me giving him a shoulder tackle on like his documentary. I'm just like, who picked this out of everything? <laughs> it was god awful. I saw there was a two second clip. I'm like, no freaking wonder why they didn't sign me. But um, these guys have had tryouts two, three, four times. Have been no told no a hundred times, and it's just like. It's, it's not no, it's just not now. And yeah. I, I've heard that too many times. And even like last time, my last tryout was probably like 2018. I was like, ah, if, this, if this isn't it, this is it. Yeah. And then I'm just like, well, you know, third time's the charm maybe. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, don't give up. Believe in it. Um, it used to be, for me, it was like I started a little late. So I started around what? I started training when I was like 24, 25. So yeah. I'm 35 now. Yeah. And now the first thing everyone tells me, like, ah, age doesn't matter no more. Yeah. Like, I'll look the same. Listen, with the advances in modern technology, I'll just keep getting my, my cheeks filled. So <laughs> I'll look 30 forever. I yeah. hope if I just stay in shape, yeah. I'd say black don't crack, but I'm like milk chocolate. So <laughs> yes. I'm just tired. Um, so hopefully my look never really changes. And then it's just like right place, right time. Someone sees me, walks by the monitor from backstage. If they're just in the market for someone, it's like 6'5", a little jacked maybe no hair and a beard or like, Hey, listen, you're, you're what we're looking for. So, yeah. and that, I've heard that happen before too, where they kind of like, they keep your stuff and they just, they go through, like if they have an idea for something and you look the part, they'll be like, let's call them back. Yeah. So just wait it out. I'm trying not to give up, but I also want to be that dude who's like 44. It's like, Oh brother, I'm just one more match away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I venture out and I, I do other things and I focus on other things just as much. So my true love is still professional wrestling nice very cool all right so there you have it we like to wrap things up with quotes and the first one is by hulk hogan to all my little hulk maniacs say your prayers take your vitamins and you'll never go wrong (laughs) and of course vince mcmahon i'm not afraid of failing i don't like to fail i hate to fail but i'm not afraid of it wrestling entertainment in this episode we have special guest thomas stintzman we cover topics that range from wrestling history, fitness, wrestling league slash levels, the entertainment business, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. Awesome. Guys, thanks again for joining us. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Huge shout out to our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. That is BL3SSED.com. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. 
This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, jimmyleevelez.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rotated Views. If you have any inquiries or questions, email us at info at jimmyleevelez.com. On behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. Stay blessed. Stay blessed.